That was the mellifluous voice of Gina Galati, opera singer and founder of Winter Opera St. Louis. Hi, I'm Nancy Scanlon Coppler, and welcome to Woman Overboard. Have you ever been told that you go overboard? Or maybe you have a friend, a partner, or a crazy aunt who overdoes it at the holidays. Someone who is overly ambitious, overly excited, and gets overwhelmed because she tends to overdo everything. Well, welcome to my world. I'm Nancy Scanlon Coppler, and this is Woman Overboard, a show about women, leaders, mothers, and entrepreneurs who are dedicated to making a difference. My guests would not be where they are today without being the overachievers that they are. Women who, I believe, put a positive spin on the words, woman overboard. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing two guests whose love for opera has transformed their lives, as well as the lives of the greater St. Louis community. Gina Galati and Nancy Pillsbury Shirley. Opera lovers around the world are singing Gina Galati's praises, having won numerous awards for her outstanding performances across the globe. Her passion and talent led her to found Winter Opera St. Louis, a nonprofit organization dedicated to serenading St. Louis with enchanting operatic performances. Welcome, Gina and Nancy. I'm so excited to have both of you today here. Um, and you're both, I want to mention, female founders of your companies, which I just love. Nancy, I've had the good fortune, we are old friends, um, of working with you very, er, very early in my marriage, introduced to you by my dear husband, Ted. And Gina, you created your winter opera here in St. Louis, too. And Nancy, I'll start with you since you were my oldest friend and favorite boss until I got into television. Um, can you please tell our listeners a little about your company and how long it's been in existence? Well, Pillsbury Marketing was uh, started 45 years ago. Oh my gosh. And it happens to be an all-female company, not by choice, but we just seem to attract very talented women. And our main uh, product, of course, is promotional merchandise. And all of our salespeople are independent contractors. And I must say that I think they, women do not expect success, so they really work hard to do a good job for their clients. And I must say, having worked for you, you're one of the <clears throat> hardest workers I've ever met in my life. And and you do it so seamlessly and effortlessly, which I'm sure you're doing also with Winter Opera. And you were so sweet to introduce me to Winter Opera last year, introducing me to the beautiful Elisir D'Amore, and are very active in promoting it as their president. <clears throat> when did your love of opera begin? Actually, it was very early. At the age of 14, I went to not a live opera, but to a movie that was filmed from the Met. And it was, I will never forget it, it was Madame Butterfly. The arias were so transcending, it was magnificent. And of course, uh, for those who know opera, it was written by uh, Giacomo uh, Puccini, whose whole name was Giacomo Antonio uh, Mancino, Michelle, Secondo, Maria, Puccini. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and I was thought I thought if a guy who had seven names, he's a genius, and I think he was one of the greatest, and still remains one of the greatest um, composers of opera that ever existed and ever will exist. So I was hooked. Yeah, I'll I'll say you were, and what a beautiful opera to get 
to start with because it is it's one that you could watch over and over again it's gorgeous and how did you meet our star here Gina Galati how did you two meet Actually, it's it's quite a story. My, I have a sister, and she said, you have got to come to this dinner tonight. And it turned out to be a fundraiser at uh, Dominic's Restaurant on the Hill. And in between every course, performers from the Winter Opera were singing magnificent songs. And I thought, oh, my heaven. Of course, by the way, my sister made me pay my own way. So, and we all know Mary. So, anyway. So, they have little riffs going on. Uh, Anyway, um, I thought, oh, my heavens. I don't know of a better place to go in the entire city of St. Louis for a fabulous dinner and live entertainment in between every course. And that very moment that I was introduced to the Winter Opera, I was converted. And ever since then, I've done all I can to promote them. Well, Gina, we are so thrilled to have you here. And your voice, obviously, is God-given. And I was so thrilled to see you perform in Elixir d'Amour, the Elixir of Love, last year. When did you first realize you had this gift? Well, I started... I started singing very young with my mom and dad and my mother put me up for an audition at the Muni when I was five and uh, I went in she just said Gina sing loud and so I went up there and I, I re- kind of remember it I mean I remember being in the long line and waiting and waiting to go and audition and my mom just said Gina go up there and sing like you sing at home and so I went up and I sang uh, I think it was uh, on the good ship lollipop or something and uh, and I got in and I was always always singing and dancing at the house and I took dancing lessons and tap dances and, and you know all the stuff that kids do and I started singing at the Muni when I was five and then in the children's chorus mm-hmm. and I, I did that for probably 10 years. Wow. Well, and good for you. I auditioned yeah. and I was turned down. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I want to ask you, with your great voice, did you have leads like an Annie or Amaryllis in Music no, Man or anything? You know, I, I just sang in the chorus. And then when I got to high school, I sang in leads in high school musicals and things like that for the different schools because I was at all-girls school at St. Joseph's Academy. So we would go have fun and audition for the boys' musicals at the boys' schools. Right. And so that's sort of how I how I kind of went and about things. people say, wow, with a voice? <laughs> you know, they did, but I, I just never, I never thought anything of it. I thought, you know, this was something fun. I didn't really feel I would ever go anywhere with singing. My parents have uh, a couple restaurants at Town Dominic's, right. and I thought I'd just go into the restaurant business. So this was just something. So you decided to study what? Uh, so when I went to college, I thought, oh, I'll just study business, and then I can take over the restaurant, and that would be my life. And well, did your mother say something funny to you about that? Well, so what happened was I went to St. Louis U for one year. I actually had a tennis scholarship, and I was a tennis player the first half of my life, and then, Amazing. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but I... Uh, failed economics my first semester at St. Louis University and I came home and I was crying and I said mom I, I failed I've never failed a class and I was really really upset and uh, she said Gina you can always run the restaurant you don't need a business degree to do that <laughs> and uh, I said well you know she said why don't you go into music you've always been such a great singer why don't you try and study music you might as well enjoy your school, you know, and learn something that you really want to do. So I went and auditioned at Washington University and um, I sang for the department there, John Stewart, at the time he mm-hmm. was there. And um, they gave me the recommendation to get into the school. And then my life completely changed wow. course. And didn't you at one point have, you said you were in the 
doing tennis and teaching lessons uh-huh. at uh-huh. Uh, Westwood Country Club. In fact, you told me yesterday yeah. mm-hmm. where we were. Um, but something happened to kind of change that course altogether? Yeah, I, at SLU, I actually, I hurt my shoulder. And so I was injured and I couldn't play um, part of the season, of that first season that I was there. And and I just didn't, I had been playing so many hours on the courts. It was either get surgery and, and then try and play again or just quit. What and a I fortuitous just, accident to <laughs> steer you from yeah. tennis into opera. I'm telling you. Nothing wrong with tennis, right. but with your voice. Right, right. That is amazing. Yeah. So, and then where did your singing career take you after Washington University to Kansas City or to Italy? Yes, actually, so um, after Kansas City, or sorry, after Washington University, I went and sang in Italy for uh, about, I don't know, about almost a year. Oh, um, wow. I guess it, it, I was back and forth. You know, and I would when you say sang in Italy, were you singing um, opera there? I was I was singing and studying with a famous tenor called Car- uh, Carlo Bergonzi, and this was in Busseto, and we would put on productions and sing throughout northern Italy. And um, when I was there, and then I came back, uh, and I decided that maybe I should go back to school, so I went to mm-hmm. uh, University of Kansas, KU. And I got my master's there in opera. And then after that, I went back to Italy for a little while. And then I started doing my auditions and doing my audition circuit and traveling and singing here and there. And so I did that for probably 15 years, traveling six months out of the year or so, singing here and there. And uh, been fortunate to sing in a lot of neat places and see a lot of beautiful cities and sing in some oh, neat places. A dream come true for all of us. <laughs> well, <laughs> to have to live in Italy, yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> right. The food and the music, both, yeah. are, are just obviously world-renowned. And since we are on the campus of Webster University, I'd like you to talk a little bit about uh, the former president here, Lee Jardine, such an esteemed and wonderful man who was president from 1970 to 1990. The Lee Jardine College of Fine Arts has been named after him. Um, But you mentioned yesterday what what surprised me. I knew he had a love for opera, but you had a connection with him. I did. You know, he wrote... And, you know, I was not able to find the music, but he wrote an opera. And a, a group of us singers about 25 years ago, we performed s- some of his music. We, we worked on that piece and we recorded it. And I, I, till this day, I don't know where that recording could be. But um, I remember there were opera theater people there mm-hmm. when we did perform. And maybe that's the place I need to call to find out if they would know mm-hmm. if, where that recording might be. But he he was an avid musician, um, a patron of the arts, and I mean he and he was he pretty was, much the instigator and founder of Opera Theater yes, St. Louis, yeah, that's on sure. the campus here yes. at the Repertory Theater, right? Webster. Exactly. He was a very generous man, and I was lucky to know him. It was years ago. I was in my early twenties, and so it was definitely um, an experience after WashU. And the reason I kind of got hooked up with him is because I was at WashU, and mm-hmm. he had a tied to the music department and they were looking for some singers to do this and that's what we did. He was a lovely person and had a, had a wonderful effect on, on Webster University and he's the one that actually uh, catapulted Webster all over the world. Now we've got campus. He started oh, the one in London and really? now my mm-hmm. son works in the Bangkok, <laughs> Bangkok campus but there's seven or eight campuses all over the world. But back to opera, what you've been in so many um, La Boheme, uh, Rosina and Barbara of Seville, The Countess and Marriage of Figaro, Adina and Alicia Delmore. Um, what's been your favorite role of all these? My favorite role? Gosh, that's a hard question. I would say, I think singing La Traviata, Violetta mm-hmm. and La Traviata. It's a very beautiful piece. And I loved singing Mimi. I've, sing, I've sung both Mimi and Musetta in La Boheme. And um, I love both of the roles very, very much. I'm more geared to the more Italian opera. Can I interject sure. something? Yes. <laughs> 
Well, the very first opera that I went to once I got involved was Gina starring in that opera. And, uh, of course, as in many great um, operas, as La Boheme, um, she was dying, and her (laughs) voice was so (laughs) angelic and so moving that I didn't want people to see me crying, but (laughs) tears were running down my cheeks and ungluing one of my eyelashes. And I thought, well, I can't be seen in public like this. So um, I just got to, you know, tap my uh, Kleenex. I didn't have a Kleenex, tap my cheek, you know, wipe off the tears. And then I've got to give Gina credit. They think of everything at the Winter Opera. On the way out, I was trying not to look like I'd been crying. And there are the ushers holding Kleenex boxes. And I thought... You do think of everything. I mean, I've never seen that in my entire life. And I was just super Talk about going overboard. That's I know. Good. It's great. Totally <laughs> overboard and totally needed. Absolutely. So I didn't mean to interrupt. No, but it no, just brings back no. such t- impressive memories. <laughs> and the fact that you can move people to tears like that is well, just Oh, so she did. <laughs> that it, it just it touches me deeply. <laughs> well, um, I, I took singing once, and it was singing for people that have been asked not to. <laughs> and I am not joking. Polka has a class like that. Oh. And I... T- I, I, I sing with a group of women now, but it's only I have two my two songs in my repertoire: and Santa Baby and oh, Diamonds Are Girl's Best Friend, and it's all comedy acting. <laughs> so you are a teacher, also, right, yes. Gina? Yes. And I, think you yeah. could help me? Yes, can. she yes. could. But Nancy, you're a singer, so tell me what I know. You sing opera. Oh well, um, I did it back when I just got out of college and I went to New York and I did. Uh, I'm not in Gina's league. I was great for fifteen seconds singing jingles. And this was so long ago that you would go down to Times Square and they would film the TV commercial. And then you would go and to the recording studio and record the jingle and the voiceover. And then they would mix it. It's, it's that long ago, not to mention my age, but anyway, um, oh, so, were, but I, three, I right? was good for 15 seconds. <laughs> Actually, Nancy has a beautiful voice. We have had some lessons and she has had little concerts for some of her friends and she does a great job. I so know. just, she's, she's very modest. <laughs> yeah, so she's very, that. very modest. Okay. You, 30 you, seconds. <laughs> no, those songs, the songs we you did were not 30 seconds, if I recall. <laughs> And getting back to Winter Opera, um, what gave you the idea to found it? That must have been difficult. Well, I was actually singing in Philadelphia, and I was doing a rigoletto there, singing the role of Gilda. And I was thinking, boy, this would be such a beautiful production to play, you know, to, to put on at St. Amber's Church on the hill. I think that the Italians would really enjoy it on the hill. It would be perfect in the church. And I started thinking I was I was getting very homesick at that time. And mm-hmm. actually, um, it's not that I... You know, you travel and travel, and I had missed, I had missed the World Series that year. We had one. This was kind of a silly story, but we, my parents called me from the final 
World Series. I can't remember which. The Cardinals one. will think it's a great story. Yes. Go ahead and tell that. <laughs> and um, they called me from the game, and I was I was staying in the basement of my friend's house, and they called me from the game, and they're like, "We wish you were here." And we had just won the World Series. I, I can't remember what year it was, but we win so much. So. Yeah, we win so much. I just can't. And I started crying. I said, "Mom, I'm homesick. I wish I was there." And so I was thinking, you know. Maybe I could just go home for a little while and and take a break because, you know, you're on the road for a long time. It doesn't have a whole lot of meaning when you're singing for people you don't know for such a long time. And going back to the hotel and there's no one there and it gets lonely on the road, you know, and it's true. I thought, well, maybe I could put on a show in St. Louis. I thought that would be a really neat thing to do. And so um, I had a nice um, relationship, of course, with my church at St. Ambrose. um, And I talked to the Monsignor about maybe could I put on a concert here, an opera concert. You know, I thought I could do Rigoletto. Well, um, sure, you know, he gave me the okay. And I thought, how would I collect ticket money? How would I do all these things? And so I, I, I said, well, maybe I could start a nonprofit. So one thing led to another. And I started the application for that and got a board together and so forth. And then I thought, well, I should try and raise some money. Well, I sent a, a letter of my intentions to our mailing list for Dominic's on the Hill. And Which I, re- I must mention yeah. is a fabulous yes. Italian restaurant in St. Louis and has been for, what, 50, 60 years, almost, right? We're almost at 50 years there. And so I I sent a letter and I ended up raising $35,000. Oh, my goodness. So it went from being a, a concert of opera to we added orchestra. I had Scott Schoonover from Union Avenue come on board and conduct for me and he helped me get the orchestra set up and... One thing led to another, and we were sold out three weeks in advance um, for both performances, and um, that was in 2008, and the rest is sort of history. So tell us a little bit. That's amazing that that happened, and you continued after that, mm-hmm. and you're going into your 13th season, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what is your winter season? What months does the season run, and what sh- how many shows do you right. do? So we... We start our season technically in September with our fall gala, and then we have three productions during the course of our season, and we have events almost every month. Um, but our three productions, we do something in November. We always have an opera in March and uh, February and March. So those are the three months that we do our full scaled. Um, operatic performances, which are at Skip Virag Center for the Arts at Chaminade. Beautiful, and then we have, yes, it's a beautiful theater. We're very fortunate to be there. And we have different events, you know, if you're not a, an opera fan, to kind of suit everyone's needs. We're trying to be as accessible to St. Louis as we can. In September, we have our fall gala at Old Warson Country Club. Mm-hmm. Then we have um, our Holidays on the Hill, which is our holiday program that we do at Dominic's on the Hill. It's, Which is so much fun. It is so much fun. Nancy was nice enough to invite yes, me. Yes, and then we sing in between, and it's a nice way to keep keep uh, winter opera on everyone's mind throughout the year. And then we have our royalty at the Ritz-Carlton. Oh, dear. Yes. yes that is Which is lovely. Absolutely. Um, the scones are yes. to die for, right? The scones and the tenors are and to the die tenors, for. Yes. And yes. this year we introduced a baritone. Yes, we were so successful with the tenors, we thought, well, we got to get a little competition. Yes. So we brought in a baritone and... Um, I'm very happy to say that I told Gina I'm looking forward to two baritones next year <laughs> so we can have a real sing-off. Yeah. <laughs> and that usually runs in the month of February. Correct. Right? Yes. And the funny thing, when you when you said winter opera and you invited me, it was March, and I thought, well, 
gosh, that's getting into spring. <laughs> and if you recall last year when I joined you, mm-hmm. we had like three inches of snow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this really is winter opera. Exactly. It, it proves we're in St. Louis, Louis. Yes. too. Absolutely. Okay, now we're going to take a little break to listen to one of your selections. Can you tell us what we're going to hear now? Yes, we're going to hear the serenade from the Student Prince. And this was a 2017 production of Student Prince that we did. And this is the beautiful serenade song that most people will probably recognize when they hear it. And are there two characters singing? Um, It's actually the full chorus, the full men's chorus. What is happening exactly? Um, He's talking about overhead, the moon is beaming, um, and he's talking about the love of of this woman, and he's talking about the love of life in general. And is this in Italian? This is in English, the student prince. Because I know most of yours are in English. Yes, this is in English. Okay. Yes. Okay. Overhead, the moon is Gina, thank you so much. That was incredible. I am so sorry I missed the production, but we know that people have so many more exciting productions to look forward to. Can you tell us what's coming up in your next season? Yes, definitely. Well, we're going to start off the season with Pirates of Penzance in November. Wow, great Uh, one. Then uh, in February, we're going to do The Daughter of the Regiment, which is La Fille du Regiment. It's a French opera, but it's written by Donizetti, Gaetano Donizetti. So um, it's sort of an interesting uh, thing that he wrote a French opera. But um, And then in March, we're doing La Fanchula del West, which has never been done in St. Louis. Um, it's a Puccini opera, your favorite, Nancy. And um, it's about the Wild about West. About the Wild West. Who so, knew? Who knew, right? right. Well, so they're doing it a lot right now at the Met um, all over. And I wanted to bring it to St. Louis because it's a really an important piece of music, I think. So. Oh. I can't wait for the next season. Yes. Um, I just have a question. Do you do do you draw any audiences outside of St. Louis? We actually do. You know, we across, you know, in Illinois, we do bring in some people from um, Kansas from City. Kansas City. Um, and we're, we're slowly sort of getting more people out of St. And Louis coming in. let's talk about the stars. Where do most of your opera singers come from? Do they come from outside of St. Louis or some in St. Louis? Yeah, we do do auditions in New York in May and then in St. Louis also. We we pull a lot of people from New York, Chicago, um, the East Coast, West Coast, everywhere. You know, whoever's singing the best, we're going to try and hire them. So um, we bring in inter- even international stars we've brought in in the past. And we're always trying to bring in special special people for St. Louis. Maybe they're not uh, famous yet, but a lot of people that have sung with us have gone on to do very, very big things. Um, so I feel we have a kind of an ear for real real talent that, that ha- maybe hasn't mm-hmm. hasn't had the opportunity to be famous just mm-hmm. yet. But we, we are doing our best to bring in the best talent we can. And as managing director, founder, yes. are you the one that decides and yes, cast the do, roles? Yes, I cast all the roles. Okay. 
we get hundreds of applications every year for our auditions and I weed through them and see who we want to hear and who I think would be a, you know, a good person to, to audition. And we hear about a hundred people in New York and a hundred people in St. Louis. So, wow. and they come from, you know, the St. Louis people, they fly in, they, and when do you hold your auditions? In May. Good for so. people that are listening from around the country yes, that may want to audition. for sure. And we'll give that link a little bit right. later, how they can get hold of you. Um, your repertoire is so impressive. And you've <laughs> performed in South America, Italy, and regional operas around the United States. And in 2015, were nominated for a prestigious Miami Life Award as Best Lyric Singer for your performance in Don Pasquale mm-hmm. at the Miami Lyric Opera. With a career that's taking you all over the world, I know you mentioned you got homesick and came back to St. Louis, but do you ever think of possibly doing anything again outside of St. Louis or in another country? Yeah, actually, I still have my management and my artists, and I still do auditions every year. The opera company limits my travel, the travel, the time that I can be gone, but um, I, you know, I'm always auditioning and I have. I'm always presented with opportunities to audition, so I don't leave anything out. I still love to sing, and it's still, I think, the easiest thing for me to do is to sing. Uh, Running the opera company is much harder than singing. (laughs) So um, I feel very fortunate when I do receive opportunities to sing outside of St. Louis. So it still happens, and I still have opportunities. So Great. Yeah. Um, Nancy, I know that you and Gina have this wonderful relationship and have so much fun working on opera, on the uh, winter opera together. What is unique? You've talked about a few things, but what in your mind is the most unique about winter opera? And what are your plans for the future? Well, having lived in New York, as I said, back in the old days when I was in my early 20s uh, doing TV commercials, I used to go to the Metropolitan Opera every chance I got. So I was used to the greatest singers on earth singing the greatest, some of the greatest operas. And then I came back to St. Louis and I realized that I was not aware of a venue that sang great grand opera in the original language in which the composers uh, wrote it and performed it. And so having lived in New York and being spoiled rotten with the Met, I was hungry for this to be in St. Louis. And then when my sister introduced me to the Winter Opera, it solved my problem. <laughs> and I was saying, oh, my You're heavens. What a, yeah, I'm, not only was I sold, I immediately got involved because I wanted to do everything I could to get the word out to promote that we offered this in the St. Louis market market. And at what was it about six years ago? I think six or seven years. Six yeah. or seven years ago that I learned about him. Had I known about it sooner, believe me, I would have hopped on the bandwagon <laughs> sooner. So actually, it's been kind of a relationship of love and admiration because also I'm involved with a philanthropic foundation and we're always looking for great places to Um, donate money where we can really see a good return on it. And I've been involved with uh, the foundation for maybe 20 years, and I have never, ever witnessed or been uh, or known of a charity that for every dollar we donate, it comes back so many fold because Gina is a brilliant, frugal manager. (laughs) 
So, and I keep, um, and I keep telling her. I asked her if she could run my house for me. <laughs> yes, yes. In, in fact, one of my goals for the opera is she is so frugal with the money because I keep offering her more money. She said, no, no, we don't need it for that. We'll, we'll, we'll um, have a big enough audience to cover it. Well, one of my goals for the opera is we're definitely going to be down the road adding a fourth opera when when we can justify it financially mm-hmm. and i'm committed to us bringing in world acclaimed talent as stars because everybody even in st louis would know a luciana pavarotti who's right. now on the other side but i would like to do at least one of our operas a year with a world renowned performer that everybody would possibly never have the opportunity to see in person. And of course, they will be singing a great classic opera in the original language in which it was written. Oh, that's fabulous. I'll be there. Yes. yes. I'll, I'll get, buy my ticket soon. Um, I want to give a shout out to my producer, Gil Angler, right now, because we were talking about opera and he said he actually heard there's been a resurgence of young people who are studying opera due to American Idol and the other talent shows on television. Do you find that that's true? And if not, how would you get young people more interested? I think that there is, there can be a resurgence. I'm not sure if there is. Um, I feel that our audience members, we do have some younger audience members that when they, when they have the opportunity to see the opera, um, they, they really like it and they want to come back. You know, I, I think it's a challenge for all the opera companies in mm-hmm. in the world um, to kind of get rid of that stigma that mm-hmm. comes with opera and this kind of um, I want to say kind of snobby perception maybe right. or mm-hmm. maybe a, just a general n- unknowing of what what they're getting into. Right. Um, and so our goal in getting younger audiences is really just to present the art form in the way it should be done. And I think that that's enough for people when they do come. I mean, they come to our shows. We're not looking to reinvent the wheel with new productions and new um, modernizing of things, of, of, of the art form. Well, the composers would be turning over in their graves. <laughs> Probably. And it's truly, you know, an insult to right. a composer. And the other thing I'd like to say, what you're doing for young people, uh, and then we'll get to the very young people, but you're making the prices so affordable. That's, you mentioned your yes. ticket prices. We do a $10 student pizza night on Friday night performances. Um, we invite, oh. we do, and we're opera getting... Opera a pizza? Opera, <laughs> and opera, they get opera pizza and soda for $10, and they can oh come gosh. on Friday nights. And actually, that was Nancy's idea. She said, how are we going to get more young people? And I said, well, I remember when I was uh, younger, I mean, I, I just couldn't afford to go to the opera. I, I think it's really important that young people, you know, we don't have the cartoons anymore. Uh, Bugs Bunny killed a wabbit. That was all and opera. I didn't even realize that it was, was opera when yeah, I was listening. That to was it. all opera, and the kids they don't have that. Um, they don't have that. Anymore. They don't have that. But experience. for young people, you're doing something really yes, cute. You yes. Gave me. Yes. Actually, we're trying to launch this new educational program called Opportunes. We've trademarked. Um, the idea and uh, well not the idea but trademark the, the I meant to bring the one. name um, we've done our first opera coloring book and it has different opera scenes from our productions that we've made into coloring pages and there's a little summary on the bottom of each coloring page about the scene that they're seeing we have a glossary of musical terms there's a word church of opera and musical terms 
basically we we sell these with coloring coloring uh, crayons uh, and uh, the kids love it yes well it's a it's a great program and we hope once we get the funding for we're hoping to make this into a full fully animated program which will be basically a downloadable program and we would have short condensed 20-minute operas animated and after every musical scene there'll be additional learning so it can be tailored to any level of school so if it's young kids um, they could sing along if it's older kids they can learn about trios and the different musical terms and things that are really pertinent because let's face it the first thing to get cut in schools is music. Absolutely. So this can be in lieu or this can be in addition to a musical program that mm-hmm. they might have in a school. So this is something that we have hopes for the future that this will be something that will really create um, new opera lovers. You know, just today, actually, before we came here today, we had Sacred Heart Villa kids from the Hill. We had 20 little six-year-olds come into the opera company and we gave them each a coloring book with their crayons and we sang to them today and um, we were lucky that you know we have with our opera company we have a costume shop there Um, Santa Frank who's a big Santa in town comes to us for his new suits and we make his new suits so today by chance by the grace of God we had 20 little kids come in and Santa Frank was in the back trying on his new Santa suit so we have pictures of the kids were like oh Santa's here and he has a Santa car it's a fancy car with like sleigh marks and things over it and it was just the cutest thing you know and that's our future and that's what that's what music and that can go for classical music that can go for opera music it's something that the kids need to learn rather than Spongebob Squarepants and all the things it's really important for their soul to look to learn this music and since you are a a music teacher a teacher of voice I remember when my daughter was taking voice and and uh, this woman said oh she shouldn't start till she's 15 is that true at what age if you run to study voice and really get serious about it when is a good time to start you know I for men young women and young I, I have women. to say I'm kind of the the exception I I I teach children that are eight years old to sing, you know, but they're kids that are auditioning for the Muni and stuff. It's a little different. Um, I didn't have my first voice lesson until I was 20 years wow. old. And I think the younger you start, it might, could be good if you have a bad teacher. It could be not good. It could start bad habits at a young age. I didn't have any bad habits because I started at a late, later age and I had my brain, you know, <laughs> and I didn't, I wasn't easily... You know, I thought, well, that feels good. That doesn't feel good. Um, but it just matters. I think 18, 19 for voice lessons for possibly it could be younger. I I don't think I'm the best person to ask for this because I started late. You know, I was I was a tennis player. So how for an <laughs> opera singer to be as good as your opera singers are, they blow me mm-hmm. away. How in-depth is their training? For example, if you're an ice skater, you're skating eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. Do they sing three or four hours a day? How are their lessons? No, you know, I mean, you can't sing three three or four hours a day. I think you would get get tired. Um, I think studying the languages is one really important thing. Studying musicology, music theory, and, and all the history of music. I used to practice maybe sing full, maybe 45 minutes a day but then you're learning your music more hours of the day but you're just kind of mentally learning it because if you sing all that time your voice is very delicate it'll you'll poop out you Mm -hmm. know maybe an hour a day yeah an hour a day and I you know I'm working on a bunch of music coming up I have some (laughs) opera stuff this summer and you know it takes three three months to learn a good role you know to to learn a role Mm -hmm. so um 
it's it's a lot of memory work, and the the languages are extremely important. Italian, so you're French. probably fluent in Italian. Right? I, I am, <laughs> I am, and I studied French, uh, French and German uh, all through college. French I studied in high school also, so um, it was it was easier for me because. But the German is really kind of tricky to learn. Yeah, totally right. different. I can imagine. It's right. totally the only thing I can remember with German opera is like the different like furniture pieces at this point. <laughs> My God, I studied it every day and I still, it was so hard. I don't but know. I, I have to tell you, I do believe that some people are blessed with the singing gene. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. I've observed it in Gina's family. Her mother sings, her father sings, yeah. um, her sister sings. And now if I was to look at my family's genetic uh, history, uh, my mother, bless her heart, none of us wanted to sit with her in church because she never could (laughs) find the note. Nancy, that's a great story. And and on on that note, I'm going to ask you my little uh, ending questions that I ask everyone. Um, for both of you, and whoever wants to answer first, in a life that appears to be overboard, Nancy, your life I know has been overboard every, <laughs> since the day I met you, since you called me at three in the morning to, w- to wish my husband and I uh, congratulations on our wedding, and you were in Paris and forgot the time and woke us up at three in the morning, Sorry, I've known that you've been an, a woman totally overboard and fun. And Gina, you, I think, also the way you sing everything about your life, the way you've put together winter opera, what does going overboard mean to you? In a positive or a negative sense. Nancy, are you over I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> I think going overboard means having no fear. I think fear is one of those things that can kind of slow you down. And going overboard means you're just going for it. No matter what you can, well, no matter what bring, life brings to you, you know, you're going to have failures, you're going to have successes, you're going to have, you know, flatlining days. Um, but I think going overboard is having no fear about life and going forward and trying to really um, make what you can of yourself and make a difference in the community. That's beautiful. Nancy, how about you? She stole my words. (laughs) However, um, just to add on to it, if, if you don't have enough faith in yourself, and when you do have faith in yourself, it's easy to go overboard because you believe it. You you want to challenge your... I've always considered myself semi-fearless. And you just... If there's a challenge, then... Well, to backtrack, I'll remember I was trying to do something and my husband said to me, Oh, you're a failure. Well, that made me so mad. I said to myself... I am going to figure this out. I'm going to reach a goal, prove it to him, and then I'll go do something else. But that is also going overboard because it only took somebody insulting me that I was a (laughs) failure that made me go overboard. Prove him. Yes. He was wrong. Yes. Okay. And my next question is I know with my own self, there are many things that irritate me in life. And I'm curious what specifically, if anything, irritates either of you? I think. Stop signs irritate me. Um, you know, I love it. I got to be honest. Stop signs really get on my nerves. But um, they pop up out of nowhere. Yes. Right? It's called I, the Missouri roll. Right. Yes. Right. yes. But I, I, I mean it in um, people being stop signs. When you're trying to do, th- do something good and there are stop signs. There's always stop signs I, in okay, life. Right. That's what I mean. A metaphor. That's right. what I mean. 
it, it was hard to start the opera company. There are two other opera companies in town. Well, thank goodness you didn't adhere to that stop right. sign. <laughs> and, and, and it was a challenge, and it's been a challenge. It's always a challenge. But, you know, the key is to just try and move around those stop signs or just run them over. <laughs> so that's my stop sign okay. metaphor. <laughs> well, I guess uh, as a businesswoman, um, minor taxes, higher taxes. <laughs> so that's the gospel truth. But um, what I am glad about taxes is that you can still write off your donations uh, if you itemize to organizations like the Winter Opera. And that's a perfect lead-in to how can people get hold of you at Winter Opera? Is well, there a website? Yes. Or? WinterOperaSTL.org is our website. Uh, and then you can always call the office at 314-865-0038. Uh, our office is on the Hill, and we're there uh, Monday through Friday. And uh, we also have a costuming, costume shop, uh, design work that we do there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have rehearsal space. Um, we have a lot of teachers that teach there. Um, we have a lot to offer the community. And I know that your costume shop does costumes yep. for the, the opera, the, yeah, opera the theater opera and also, Muni. Right? Um, we do costuming for a lot of theater companies in town. They've even repaired my son's gi. He does <laughs> martial yes. arts right next door. Right. Me. We do the gis. We have, their next door is martial arts at jiu-jitsu, and they're always fighting and we're always singing. So it's a very funny, funny place right. to come. It's, so. it's a beautiful area yes. to be in. Yes. Um, one other final question. What, when are you the happiest? What makes you the happiest? What oh What are you doing when you're the happiest, do you think? Well, this is easy for me, uh, and I'm sure Gina would say the same thing, is that there are many, many, many things that make you very happy, you know, like family and special events. But for me, because uh, opera is so ethereal, especially classic opera, that it transcends you out of your everyday life and all the stresses of the business world. And it just takes you. In fact, I'm probably an incurable romantic. So when you (laughs) You hear some of these uh, operas, it's just like amazing. You just forget you're on earth. And it's, and in fact, what, and I'll cut it short here. Um, One of my fellow girlfriends when I was growing up, and we'd have uh, night overs where she would play the Madame Butterfly opera for us before we went to bed. We were in separate little cots and everything, but we were always listening to the beautiful Puccini um, opera. At age five and six? Oh, seven. no, this was the uh, <laughs> 14, 14, yeah. 14 15. Fabulous. Fabulous. And what about you, Gina? Um, singing you, or? Yeah, I, you know, I love to sing, but I have to say, um, after every production, we always have a cast party. And we do have a lot of local singers and local musicians that perform with the company. It's not just, we're just not bringing in only out-of-towners. But we always have these cast parties. I think it's really important to show our appreciation to our cast. And just bringing everyone together after a successful production and just seeing the happiness that is brought to them, I, it makes me happy. Because they're they're celebrating and they they're doing what they love to do. So I think that that that's I think when you say mm-hmm. that, Nancy. Oh yeah, Nancy's at every party. So yes. <laughs> I mean, we never always, miss. Well, them. She's always been a party animal. Yes, yes, <laughs> we are party animals. But it's a nice thing to do, I think, for the artists in St. Louis. So well, to 
all good things have to come to an end, unfortunately. We're getting close to the end here, but I, I would, we're going to play another selection. And if you can explain yes. what the selection is. So this is from Deflator Mouse. Um, it's called Sing to Love. It's the like the last part of the second act. And it's a beautiful, it's just, I think, that kind of encompasses everything um, about what we do. It's talking about singing to love and singing to happiness and what we were just talking about. So thank you. Okay, well, listen to that while I'm closing. Again, my guests today are Gina Galati, founder, and Nancy Pillsbury Shirley, president of Winter Opera St. Louis. And we're so looking forward to the Winter Opera's 13th season coming up this fall. And thank you both again for bringing your talents to Woman Overboard. And for more information on Winter Opera in today's show, go to womanoverboard.com. And if you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on our show, please contact us at womanoverboard.com. Nancy Scanlon Coppler, thank you for joining us.